How's and with, it going, and everybody? With that, welcome, Woo! you guys. What a full, loud room <laughs> we have got here today at SF Music Tech. Uh, my name is Irish Greg. We have to go in order. It's Sorry. Renee and Irish Greg's Sorry. pop-up. Sorry. So, <laughs> I'm Renee Richardson. And I'm Irish Greg. And I'm Carlos from Patreon. I'm Julia Nunes. And I'm Mike Baker from Radio Nowhere. And you're all very, very welcome. Thanks uh, for, for coming to this event. The one thing that we all have in common is Patreon. Our, our podcast lives on Patreon. Carlos works there. And Julia and Mike uh, both uh, put their music on Patreon. A little bit about um, us. Renee and I worked in radio, traditional radio, for 18 years at the same radio station. Mm. KFOG, K-Fog. in case you're wondering. And now we don't. Um, <laughs> Such is the nature of radio, and um, we kind of both went our separate ways and did our own different things, but Renee contacted me a few months after we had all been let go, or left, and um, she's I, like... I should say, he, he was at the height of like his passion for radio, you know, he, he had taken a job elsewhere, learned new things, and you know, we all came back together, because you, know, you move around in radio, and we, we had a really good thing going when they decided to change things and so we were sitting talking about like we have all this experience and we have these connections and he's such a good producer and I had heard about Patreon and we just started talking about it I'm like why don't we try doing a, a, a show on Patreon in my head it was just going to be audio and just us sitting on his deck drinking a lot talking about people that's what I thought our show was going to be but then enters Greg and well I decided, I said to Renee, what was the one thing, like there was lots about regular radio that we didn't particularly care for, but the things that we really liked, I said, what did we really enjoy doing? And every summer we would put out a, a local scene CD and every Friday we'd go out on the road, be it to San Jose or Half Moon Bay or Santa Rosa or wherever, and we'd do a live show in front of a few hundred people and we'd have musicians come by and perform live. And I said, that's what I really enjoyed about radio towards the end. So let's try and replicate that. So that's what we did. We, we found a, a small little club in the mission called Amato's, uh, this really cool room that holds about 100 people. And we got a bunch of free beer. The 21st Amendment is a, is a sponsor, and we don't charge any admission. And we get all these cool guests to come by and, and perform. And we've been doing it for a year. And uh, thanks to Patreon, uh, which kind of funds it. Um, <laughs> well, uh, our patrons yeah, fund it. I, yes, exactly. <laughs> Exactly, but um, it's it's been quite a success. We've kind of uh, there was a lot of goodwill generated from our days uh, being on the radio, so we've managed to get kind of we've been hitting a little bit above our weight in terms of guests. So we had Bob Weir from The Grateful Dead, and Steve Earle, and Nikki Bloom, and and Steve Poult, and all of these cool people, John Wesley Harding, uh, that have done our show. Yeah. Um, so that's basically us and and why we are on Patreon. But uh, perhaps some of you. Don't even know what Patreon is. Does everyone know what Patreon is? You do. Well, for those listening or watching on Facebook Live, uh, Carlos, can you tell everybody what, what Patreon is and yeah. what its goal is? Yeah, so Patreon is a membership platform that's designed to make it easy for artists and creators to get paid. And it started out uh, by this guy, Jack Conti, and his college roommate, Sam. And uh, Jack was making a lot of YouTube videos and a lot of music. 
And there was one video in particular called Pedals, and it, it was this video where Jack spent two or three months in this studio that he got, and he was working round the clock all night, and he maxed out two or three credit cards buying a bunch of stuff for the set. He was like manually, he, he built this set that was uh, designed to look like the Millennium Falcon. Oh my God. Um, and the, so and the concept of the video was to have robots playing music. And he got this uh, grad student in Texas, I think, to, uh, to collaborate on this like three-dimensional animatronic head that would sing along to the lyrics of the songs. And he built these conveyor belts that had a bunch of effects pedals from Electroharmonics, where I was working at the time. Um, and, then, uh, and then he also got this uh, PhD student in England, I think, to design this 3D printed hexapod robot that would walk around and play a Novation launch pad. And it just, it took a ton of work. It was, it, then he got his friend Jeff Orlasky to come do the, the video for it. And Jeff is like, uh, I think he's gotten like two Academy Awards in the wow. past two years for his documentaries. It was a huge effort. So he posted this pedals video to YouTube and it got like 1.2 million views or Holy something. Um, and, uh, and then the ad revenue from from that video was something like $124 or something. After spending months of working on it and, and investing tens of thousands of dollars and into the video. And that's what you get. And the, the story that Jack tells is that like um, when you sign into YouTube and you see $124 of ad revenue for something that successful, that it's an incredibly demoralizing experience. Right. It, it feels terrible to feel like that's what, that's how the world values your work. Uh, and so at that point it was clear that the system was really screwed up, that it was broken. And not just for musicians, but for anyone who made stuff online. Uh, and so that's, that's really what Patreon tries to solve. Um, we do it through membership where a fan directly pays an artist or a creator. Uh, and then Patreon takes 5% so that the artist keeps uh, the, the majority of the money for themselves. Um, so the whole point of Patreon is for artists to make money. Our company, our like top company metrics that we talk about all, all the time every day are like how much money are creators making, how much right. money are artists making. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's what Patreon is. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing, like when we talk about artists, it's not just musicians, it's, it's poets, it's writers, it's even nonprofit organizations are, can, can use the platform and it's, it's really easy to use. The one thing, uh, well, I don't know, did we want to go in any particular order? Can I ask a question? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the one thing that um, is hard for something, I work for Blue Bear School of Music and we use Patreon, I can't even say we use Patreon, we put stuff up there. We haven't really maximized how to use it most effectively. And I feel, and you guys, any of you can speak to this, that you, you really have to be a content creator to maximize the use of Patreon. Would you say that's a fair assessment? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's all about content. Do you feel pressure to make content all the time? I, I really like having a regular schedule. I feel like before it was kind of whenever the mood would strike and now I know that I'm going to put out a video every month and sometimes I'm kind of like kicking my own butt to do it, but most of the time it's something I can just, it, Patreon turns like the weird abstract world of being an independent musician into like something you can plan for. Uh -huh. <laughs> I can like make sure that I get something done by the end of the month and um, then it's not like 
a mad dash. That's that's Julia Nunes, who uh, does very very well out of Patreon. It's safe to say, correct? Yeah. yeah. When you first heard about it, were you all in? Was just like, oh my god, this is the answer to all my dreams? Yeah. So um, the very beginning of YouTube, um, Jack and I found each other, the creator of Patreon found each other just because we were fans of each other's music. And um, we used to talk about this dream of like, if we could make a living on making YouTube videos instead of having to wait to put out a record and and tour to make any kind of money because YouTube videos were this like kind of splash in the pond and you would hope that the ripples would someday affect your career in a positive way and we were like i wish there was some kind of way (laughs) to to like and not charge people for the videos because we we knew that like people finding us organically was part of the magic of youtube is it's free um and that's like when he created patreon it was like you can make it exclusive content or not exclusive you can make it like for my model is my my videos are always free, and if you want to pay for them, you can. Um, so the second he told me about it, I was like, yes, hard yes, I'm in. I think I was one of the first five people. Or really, like yeah. user number four. Yeah, I really, I think that's true. Yeah, that's funny. And Mike, tell us how you came to Patreon. Mike, um, you're, you're kind of the face of, of Radio Nowhere, correct? Yeah, that's, I say, that's fair to say, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I came across Patreon by following Jack. I think I, I first noticed what he was up to when he was doing those electro harmonics videos. And for people who don't know what that is, there's a guitar effects company called electro harmonics that makes these totally whacked effects pedals. They're awesome. And um, Jack, a bunch of years ago, was making videos um, showing how he was making his music with those pedals. And they were super inventive and really interesting. And, and so um, I sort of glommed on to following Jack from there. And um, I was not a YouTuber, I'm just somebody who's been putting out music online, but when Patreon was announced, the same thing as Julia, I was a a hard yes. I was like, this is the greatest idea ever. Uh, I can't wait to to put this into action. And so um, I've been putting music out on it for a couple, three years now, I guess. And um, I've got a a modest number of subscribers, but I really like the connection that I have with them. The way way we use Patreon, we. We get given a venue to host our our podcast in, which is great, and then we get given beer to give away to people for free, and then we get everybody half in the tank, and we pass a hat around, and and we make some money that way. But the uh, the money we make from Patreon, it's not a whole lot of money, but it pays our bills. But we use it, uh, Carlos. I want to get your thoughts on this. We kind of use Patreon. Uh, not in the way it should be. We use it more like a GoFundMe or a, or a Kickstarter, where we don't really offer levels of goals. Like if you give us ten dollars, we'll have lunch with you, and if you yeah. give us twenty dollars a month, we'll whatever. We'll leave an, an, a, a message on your phone or whatever. <laughs> People have all these really creative ways of making more money on Patreon. Uh, we don't, perhaps out of laziness, um, <laughs> or perhaps because we're not really. We're, we have a podcast, so. Eh. To say we're creative is kind of pushing it. We're just we're kind of radio people that just you know have we, have, we funnel we, creativity. There you go. We funnel. <laughs> we we have interesting people basically make our content yeah. for us. Yeah. 
but such as you, all of you guys. It's a nice racket. <laughs> it is a nice racket. But what would you suggest, Carlos, for someone uh, for pod? I know this podcasters make a good living out of this. Yeah. For Renee and I, we're only really known in the Bay Area, so we are, we're kind of localized. But I know that podcasters who had these nationally syndicated radio shows, and then they all got canned, and now they're making way more money by doing their show uh, through Patreon. We don't really have that option either. Do you have any ideas for us? <laughs> You're like, no, figure it out yourself. Um, okay, so uh, I, hmm, the, the one very cool thing about working at Patreon is now we have a whole bunch of data about uh, what things people do to make money. Um, because uh, I think the last public number we announced that was like seven or eight months ago was that we had over 50,000 artists at the time who were actively making money each month wow. and sending about $150 million a year uh, to those artists. That's awesome. Um, and with millions of patrons and many artists on the platform, uh, we have this data science team that can just like statistically answer questions like, um, what is the best way to run a creative business? And, uh, and <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out what 5% of that is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and, you know, it's, it, it's one, one difficult thing about it is that there really isn't one right answer. So there are podcasts like Chapo Trap House, for example. Um, I think they're doing... Uh, something like $87,000 a month in patronage right now. Um, and it's a really simple model. They, uh, so they make podcasts, and then two, I think of them, uh, two of them are free and public each week. And if you want to hear uh, the third one, you have to be a member. You have to be ah, a patron. Okay. Um, and it's five bucks a month. Uh, and that's it. There's just one that's level of, of patronage. You can subscribe to Chapa Trap House for five bucks a month, and they get a boatload of patrons to pay it so that they can listen to the podcast. And they're a daily show? They do a daily thing? Uh, pretty it's, much? They do three per week. Three a week. Three podcasts okay. a week, yeah. Um, so they have a really successful model uh, with just one's, one pricing model, uh, one price. Um, and then there's also this alternative view that if you have a business, it's it's often the case that a uh, large part of your revenue comes from a minority of like a small portion of your customer base that that like the top 10 or 20 percent of your customers uh, will represent two-thirds or 80 percent of the company's revenue and so uh, some creators when they run their businesses on patreon take advantage of that fact and and that's where the different price points can be useful so um, there are patrons on Patreon who are paying hundreds of dollars a month to creators, um, and those patrons can uh, represent a big part of a creator's revenue. Mm -hmm. So it can be useful to have a $50 a month tier, a $100 a month price point, um, and you just give those fans like something that like only a ridiculous super fan they would want. want. Like, right. like Pomplamoose, I, I still remember there are, so, there are these Pomplamoose fans who like really wanted to know what kind of juice Natalie liked to drink in the morning, or like what kind of what the cat was doing. They had this cat named Mr. Pants, oh and they're like, what, "How's Mr. Pants doing?" Um, anyway, like you can give little stuff like that that only your super fans are going to care about, um, but they're often willing to pay you like hundreds of dollars a month to do it. So that's that's one reason why some creators choose to have like really what high tiers? price points. What's the highest tier that you know of that anybody's asked for on Patreon? Uh, and actually and actually paid. Uh, it's probably like five thousand dollars a Jesus. month or something wow. like that. Wow, that's what, amazing. What are they offering? Look at uh, Julia. <laughs> look at Julia's face. <laughs> yeah. My mouth is open. Yeah. Yeah. For 
those of you listening. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think they were developing, they were essentially licensing software for something related oh. to cryptocurrency, something something like that. Yeah. <laughs> there it yeah. is, blackchain. Yeah, that's yeah. coming cool. out. Yeah. Yeah. Back in right can, there. Yeah. Julia, yeah. can I ask you, do you have different price levels for yeah. your patrons, and what kind of things do you offer? Um, I have one to ten dollars, and um, I was supposed to make it so that like at three dollars you get the mp3 of the video but i always just end up sending the mp3 to everyone yeah. <laughs> like, i do that on my kickstarters too i'm like you get the record for ten dollars and then i just send it to the one dollar people too i just um i think for me the levels are always like it's it's so much more about what that person can spend and not how much they care right. so i always want to extend I almost like value the $1 people more because they, I think if you can only give $1 a month and you are wow. giving $1 a month, then that's like, I'm so grateful for it. Um, and then I have $10 a month and um, I'll follow you on Twitter. And then like I get your, your at replies as a notification, like a text on my phone. <laughs> Even you're going, this is pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. <laughs> no, I no. have like a few people that I know by okay. mostly avatar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I see them at shows and it's very like, I okay. feel like Patreon and especially the levels where there's like a personal interaction mm -hmm we're all in this like nebulous internet. Like you have a fan base that's kind of um, intangible. And then with something like I'll follow you on Twitter, it's, it's like a real human being and you kind of get to see like what other things they're a fan of and how weird they are, or how cool they are. Yeah. You make jokes with them. And then when you see them in person, it's not just like a faceless person in the crowd. They're like one of your patrons. Yeah. When we started and we st we did have some goals initially and it all kind of blended into it's kind of like you we just started giving everything to the one dollar person and so it made no sense, uh, but Renee would point out you know people are giving us they're not actually giving you money for the the level of interest they have in you they like you period and right. they'll pay what they can afford right. yep. so that you can do what you do how about you Mike? As far as levels yeah. and, and things like that um I've. I've got a bunch of different levels that I put into place primarily because I read too many of Carlos's blog posts and <laughs> uh, all of the data coming out of the company. I'm like, well, you know, if there's somebody out there who wants to send me $200 every time I release a song, I definitely don't want to leave them hanging. <laughs> Having said that, no one has ever signed up to give me $200 whenever <laughs> I release a song. Um, but I've got um, a couple things that I'm giving people who send me more money, um, like handwritten lyrics, um, assigned effects pedal, that kind oh, of thing. Cool. Yeah. Um, and then in addition to physical things like that, things like making a video showing a, an unplugged or a stripped down performance of whatever song it is, or just a, a quick video explanation of what the hell I was thinking when I wrote this, this weird song, that kind of stuff goes over pretty well. Julia, you kind of straddle these worlds where you, you're a huge uh, YouTube sensation, I guess it's, it's fair to say. You're very popular on YouTube. So, um, and you, you gig as a, as a touring artist, so you, you do all of these things. You give away content for free, yet you still uh, manage to get people to be, uh, be patrons of yours on Patreon. So essentially they could get this stuff anywhere, but they still choose to, to give you money. Yeah, uh, I think that like availability is is like the original model for getting successful with music. Like you used to tour 
and play free shows, hoping that someone would stumble in and find you. Mm. Um, so I've never felt like a paywall would help me in any way. I just want it to be as accessible as possible. So when I play, when I tour, um, one of the things I do is living room shows and, um, it's like an acoustic, um, usually no more than 50 people in a room yeah. and um i do a q a in the middle and uh it's like if you're a brand new person i always like to see at the beginning of the show who's a brand new person because that means you got a lot of faith in the friend that brought you <laughs> so it's like a very serious yeah. you know like it's not a regular concert where you're gonna drink and talk if you don't like the music yeah. it's like you're in my face yeah. <laughs> and i'm in yours and um and I think that that is like how I've approached the living room shows and even my regular venue shows. It's all the same format as my YouTube videos, which is just like very, very personal, very like, um, you know, like we're, we could all go the route of like a polished record label, but because we have tools like Patreon and YouTube to get our stuff out there in the first place, people can find us as we are without having to like dress up too much. Right. One thing I found interesting about Patreon, when we started, we, we were purely, uh, I, I just thought of it in my head as it's an audio platform. It's, it's a way to deliver audio. And I never, it, again, we come from radio and it's this very uh, kind of black and white, uh, uh, just straightforward world that we dealt with. And I found that, and I, I, I see this uh, with you, Julia and Mike and everybody, um, though artists are creating music which is is audio people that create videos do a whole lot better on on patreon it's really actually a video carrying platform too isn't it well i mean it it's it depends <laughs> there's all kinds of stuff on patreon uh certainly like podcasts do really well web comics and illustrators are a huge part of patreon's mm. platform uh and uh yeah, so it's it's sort of for anyone who makes anything online. Um, there are videos that are music videos, like many of the musicians on Patreon do music videos, but there are all kinds of other videos, like just vlogs or the equivalent of like daytime television. <laughs> uh, and then there's like news networks, like Phil DeFranco is uh, a really big popular YouTuber who uh, runs a business on Patreon as well. Um, and he's he's got a news network <laughs> that that he's I mean he's like leasing office spaces and hiring a, new, a team of employees That's and awesome. empowering all that through patronage. Um, so yeah, I, certainly video is a successful medium through which any kind of creator can communicate and engage uh, engage with fans. And um, but that said, it's like anyone who makes anything interesting online can can run a business through Patreon. I have a question for both Julia and Mike. How do you guys get new patrons to patronize you? <laughs> How do you get to new patrons on Patreon? Like, where do you find your... Is it when you're out touring and you just say, hey, check me out on Patreon? Or, or is there, there another way, another route to take? Um, I am pretty constant on all social media things. Um I like really love Instagram so much <laughs> and um, and I think that that's like the most constant um, way that I communicate with people and like once every like seven or eight months <laughs> I'll be like hey I have a Patreon. <laughs> so but you leave your the, the, the your bio has got the Patreon link in it right on, on Instagram so I mean 
Yeah, but I think for brand new people, you kind of have to explain. It has to like be a little bit more of like a, a commercial for Patreon yeah, to be to get them to buy in and understand it. Yeah, because yeah, if yeah. you just shout out another website name, there's a million. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, right. you now, there's a million. So I, uh, yeah, I try to explain what Patreon is like every so often, but um, I should definitely do it more. <laughs> I'm interested to know how you explain it, because I have my way of explaining. Uh, I, I explain it as kind of like I said at the start. I, it's kind of like if, if you like what we do, it, think of it as a, as a Kickstarter or, or a GoFundMe for our uh, podcast. How do you explain it to people? Um, I say it, my videos will always be free, but if you want some extra behind-the-scenes stuff, like I'm recording a record right now and some of the secret videos that I'm giving to Kickstarter, um, I'm putting on Patreon, too. And it's like, you know, I'm like crying and writing sad songs, and I don't <laughs> want to put it on the full yeah. internet, but <laughs> the people who help me make the record can see it, and Patreon helps me make everything um so i i kind of say like if you if you want like the the deep cuts and you want like mp3 sent right to your email address and you just want to support what i'm doing then you have the option to do that and if you don't then thank you still for <laughs> even knowing who i am <laughs> i've noticed um oh, oh yeah sure I, I i wanted to know mike to go back to that question of how do you find new audiences on your uh, for your Patreon page? Uh, I feel like just hitting people up with uh, a, a request to support my Patreon for me, mm -hmm. just you know, cold audiences, is another way to put it, I suppose, doesn't seem to work very well. Um, it's kind of a heavy lift for someone who's never come across you before. Right. So what's worked best for me is to get people engaged already, um, either like on my Facebook page or, or following me on Instagram or most especially already on my email list. And so I put a lot of emphasis uh, on the email list on um, working those people, basically. Right. Being like every now and then saying, hey, there's this thing called Patreon and if you would like to support this music and, and in addition get some extra things that nobody else is getting like Julia was alluding to, um, behind the scenes stuff or demos or raw audio, that kind of stuff. Maybe you'd be interested in this. So that's what seems to work the best for me. Julia, your videos are really high quality and they're really creative. Um, and, and you need to have a high quality creative videos uh, to kind of break through the amount of kind of mush that there is out there. Um, do you shoot them and edit them yourselves? Do you have very high-end equipment? Um, <laughs> Because, I mean, it looks so pro, and I have, a, I have a feeling it's more DIY than that, but it really looks amazing. Thank you. Um, I have shot a few, like, full-fledged music videos, and I have, like, I've booked a production company, and, like, okay. you know, I rented a motel and made all my friends make out in doorways. <laughs> so, well, that was the video I was referring to. Yeah, make out is... Uh... That is not DIY. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. There was a drone involved. Um, <laughs> wow. I, yeah, I, but my um, cover videos, I just have a DSLR that I only bought because Patreon helped me afford it and um i feel like I, I have always kind of straddled a world between like diy and um i try to like level up with the 
production quality every time I work with other people. Um, and that comes in the form of like records and full fledged music videos. And then it's almost like Instagram is every day cover videos and like DIY shit is like pretty often. And then every two years <laughs> I put out like a record uh-huh. and three big music videos. Nice. Um, and it's all, it's all connected, but it's, um, I like the bulk of it is just me alone with a camera and like a led light that I screwed onto a two by four. <laughs> uh, we, we, we talked about, uh, make out the song and we've been, uh, there's been a lot of yakking, um, but we're we're here to listen to music as well. So, oh yeah, could we get a song or two out of you? Yeah, I can play some songs. Excellent. Yeah. So Julia's going to play a couple of tunes, and uh, then Mike will play, and Carlos is going to bang a box, the oh, yeah. the cajon, right? Sure. Yeah. We'll go last. Okay. Great. While Julia's getting set up, Carlos, how many musicians work at Patreon? Um, All of them? I, I would, yeah, I would, I would guess there are about fifteen or twenty actual gigging musicians wow. uh, who work at Patreon right now. How, how big of a staff is? is ninety-five. There? Okay, ninety-five people big. right now. Yeah, yeah. But we we like to have everyone. I think the right approach there is that the diversity of the team should reflect the diversity of the customer yeah. at, at a company. And so we have writers, dancers, illustrators, web comics, musicians, all kinds of people who work at Patreon. Julia, you all set? Yes. <laughs> this song is called Then Okay. I am trying to be realistic here. I am dying because I know I can't resist it with a gun. Be so sorry soon. I can't keep my hands off you. I don't want to. If we're careful, maybe. This could be alright But you are caffeine And I'm staying up all night I'm not stupid enough to prove I could just kiss you and There will be prices to Stand in my way before you have to say it's okay, then okay. I know better than to play with. I'm already burning and I can't get enough I'm not stupid enough to believe I could just kiss you and 
there will be prices to pay. What are we going to do? Just want to touch Have you always been primarily a ukulele player, guitar player? Yeah, yeah. Um, I started playing ukulele about 14 years ago. And um, I've like wrote it all the way through like it getting super duper popular and then mm -hmm. people got annoyed by it. And now I don't think people really think about the ukulele very much uh, anymore, uh, but I still play it. <laughs> well, Julia flew up from Los Angeles today for th for this show, and and sh the ukulele basically becomes a backpack on 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 your back, mm -hmm. so it's it's easy to travel with. That's part of why I started playing. <laughs> yeah. Do you uh you you when you tour, which you I know you've done tours with Mowgli's and and, and kind of established touring bands. Do you when you tour, do you bring a band on the road with you? Um, yeah, the band that you were just talking about, the Mowgli's, um, on the last tour I did with them, I played with my little band, which is like tambourine and guitar and we all sing. Um, and then the Mowgli's drummer and bass player came and like ended the set on a real party, which is the best. When you're like good friends with the band you're opening for, it's kind of like summer camp on yeah. the road. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, do you find um, now... Putting your work out there on on Patreon and then touring has your touring life changed since you've become more um, prolific with videos and things like that, um, or do you balance it? I think my touring life has just gotten more um, adult, almost. Mm. Like I, I've been on the internet making music and putting out videos for over ten years, and it used to be when I would tour, everyone was like. 13 and I was 17 um, and now we're all in our 20s and we're so chill. <laughs> um, I think that's the biggest difference I notice. I don't think there's much of a like Patreon influence. Okay. Yeah. You, you, you hear some bands, some bands that have been doing this a long time that made a lot of money back when people actually bought music and now they kind of bemoan the fact that the only way that they can make music is to be out on the road. 
Um, and they kind of, uh, I, I've heard, it's, it's kind of, there's a resentment to it in, in that, hey, we used to, used, used to make a record and that's all we had to do. And now they have to go out and tour. But you want to do both. You don't want to be the DIY gal sitting in your basement making videos. <laughs> I love touring. I love playing live. Um, and I think that that's like where music is the most healing. Like speaking from an audience member's perspective, like I, I have had religious experiences to like a record alone in my room. But going to a show and being around a bunch of other people who are also feeling that, it's so intense and it's so, I mean, a voice in the room with you is so much more powerful than any, even the best recording. Mm. I think like David Bazan is one of my favorite musicians and like I could listen to his recorded voice all day, but in person, like he opens his mouth uh -huh. and like something in my chest breaks, wow. you know? Live music is important. But yeah, and just the communal, the, the, the experience you get with other people who are all enjoying the same thing as you at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe we can all do that now yeah. with another right. song. Yeah, yeah. Everyone has to enjoy Great themselves. Great segue. <laughs> um, Thank you. I used to be in radio. <laughs> I'm going to play a song about touring because we were talking about it. Um, and I was dating a person at the time that I wrote this song, and he thought it was about him <laughs> and it's uh it's like you're so vain <laughs> it's about like being on the road and people people that i see on the road <laughs> That's <hysterical. laughs> it's called i will go anywhere with you <laughs> there you go. Chester skyline 
city simplified every home a tiny light with a family inside so we wave goodbye to awesome I, I have to know because I've decided in in 2018 I'm gonna make it the year that I really appreciate appreciate awkward moments um, what I'm, was I'm like <laughs> what was when the person who thought the song was about them learned that it wasn't like how'd that go down <laughs> we never discussed it oh. which oh. is um, how like most relationships die <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. That was just like one on a lar large list of things we just did not talk about. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. <laughs> Julia, uh, you grew up in New York, up upstate New York? Yeah, Rochester, New Rochester. York. It's in the song. Yeah. yeah, there you go, Rock City. Yeah. Uh, you moved to Los Angeles. You live in L.A. Did you feel that you needed to move to Los Angeles as a musician to kind of move your career forward, or could you have done what you do wherever? Especially I, considering your success on Patreon and YouTube and all of these. 
Yeah, I think what you need for success in any sort of creative field is community and mm. people to surround yourself with that are doing what you're doing. And that's why New York and L.A. are such a huge hub for that, because they're, if you don't know anybody, then it's kind of built into the city. Right. Um, but I just had like a ton of college friends and, um, I lived in Brooklyn before LA and almost everyone who played on my last record is a person that I, um, met in Brooklyn or like knew through my Brooklyn friends. So to me, it's way more about like the people that you can connect with. And I think that you can find that in any city if you want to put down roots. But for me, like LA was calling me, you know yeah. what I mean? Uh -huh. well, and the weather is so much better. I love the weather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we talked about the song Make Out, which everybody should check out on YouTube because oh, the, yeah. the video and all its amazing production uh, values uh, really make it something. So I think you're going to play that now, and Carlos from Patreon is going to join you on the cajon. Play percussion. Is it rude to ask how much it costs to make that video? <laughs> <laughs> ballpark ballpark so i think it was seven thousand dollars oh that's not so bad and like 15 oh my god where is the mic stand <laughs> um it was like 1500 of that was to the venue to like oh, shoot to in a yeah. yeah um and i think like in in truth that music video probably cost way more than that, but because I was working with like such good people who were calling in favors and renting equipment and borrowing equipment and um and like I wanted to feed my people good food on the day of. Are um, they are they friends? Or are they hired actors? Spoiler alert! But the video is basically just a ton of people making out. <laughs> um, <laughs> It, the people making out in the video are all my friends, okay. and they w were all couples. Oh, <laughs> okay. Because okay. it yeah. seemed very real. That's good yeah, to know. Yeah, <laughs> it was real. And um, people were, like, the friends of mine that I thought were, like, shy were... <laughs> Total hams. Animals. <laughs> yeah. Animals. And the friends of mine who are, like, they're going to have no problem with this felt so silly about uh -huh. it. So it was definitely, it's a good way to get to know your friends, film them being sexual with each other. <laughs> Make out, everybody. <laughs> I got shit to do. I know you do too. I won't let go of you. Push me away A second to leave I miss you I can see you tomorrow But I don't want to wait To kiss me in the dark way Always on your way out I'm trying to make you stay So you can make out Kiss me in the dark way Always on your way out I'm trying to make you stay So you can make out You're I 
Patreon. Thank you guys so, so much. So we're going to get some live music from, from Mike up next. Mike from, from Radio Nowhere. But while Mike gets set up, Julia, um, Renee and I were talking earlier. We have a friend, um, Megan Slankard, who's on Patreon, and she, she does very well out of it. Um, but she, she promises at a certain goal level to, she puts out a new song and a video every month but it becomes this panic where she's up until oh, like 11:30 yeah. on October 31st <laughs> yeah, to, to get, get the, the, the thing out that she just procrastinates and procrastinates and then there's this tremendous pressure to finish art so you're kind of under a deadline to create something that should be perhaps a little more spontaneous yeah for yeah. song um but yeah I feel like I have lived that life um like that is how I did college yeah, and exactly. um, yeah. Yeah, like procrastination is like the lifeblood of a creative person. So, um, of course. Uh, and I am on like a mission of self-improvement. <laughs> um, and I started reading this book that makes me do stuff every single day. Um, What's the book? I don't know the title oh. of it. <laughs> I could, yeah, I'll, I'll make sure you know so okay, you can tell you. your internet thank people. You. <laughs> um, but basically, I mean, you don't even really need to read it. You just need to make sure you create something every day yeah. before you um, look at anything else. The book is like, instead of doing reactive work, you can do active work. Mm. Um, so before you like look at your email or your text messages or Instagram, you have to create for two hours. Oh my God! <laughs> and, um, wow! <laughs> as a result, I am getting so much yeah. done, <laughs> and it takes the pressure off. Like, there's no need for me to like like what I do that day because I can just like call it call it a loss and know that I'll make something else tomorrow. Um, as opposed to like, if you only make one thing per month and it is for money and it's for, it's like, there's a deadline, then that means 
then it has to be good. And like, no one only creates good things. Right. That's not how it works. So, um, yeah, making something every day has helped with my, um, deadline dread. That's cool. <laughs> That's great. That's good to know. I love that. Mike Baker, how are you? Sorry. I'm good. You've been kind of off no in problem. the corner there for a minute. Thank <laughs> you for your patience. Yeah, no problem. Kind of behind the pole. It's, it's restricted view. I got well, it for a lot less. I was going to say, uh, don't you love performing in this light? <laughs> You've got a nice fluorescent light I over do. your it's head. I do. It's awesome. I, I, feel, I feel like a fish at the supermarket. <laughs> it's like performing in the school cafeteria. <laughs> right. Again. <laughs> so Mike's going to play a few songs for us. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, this first song has got a long, complicated backstory, which I will hereby go through at great length and in great detail for you. <laughs> No, it's um, the truncated version is uh, a bunch of years ago, I went on a, a road trip with a friend of mine from San Francisco to Honduras. And uh, it's about 3,000 miles, I think. A lot of stories came out of that, which I will spare you mostly right now. But uh, for the purposes of this song, uh, my friend and I ended up in this little village in Mexico one night, and he was very sick and had been to a bunch of doctors in the city who uh, hadn't done him any good. And so he wanted to try some Mexican folk healing. And we ended up at this woman's house, and she was a curandera, which was described to me as somewhere halfway between a witch and a faith healer. And uh, she laid hands on my friend and said, ah, senor, you're very sick. It's a good thing you came. You would have been dead tomorrow. I have a 30-day uh, health plan that I can put you through. That requires you to live here at my house, and we'll take care of you every day. It's $3,000 American. And my friend looked at her, and he goes, how about 50 pesos? And she says, done. <laughs> <laughs> so we got the hell out of there. I don't think he liked her bedside manner very much. <laughs> we ended up drinking mezcal all night in that, in that town. And he did not get well, but I got this song out of it. So it was a plus. This is called Curandera. Whispers of Spanish float round her head. Sometimes her skin smells like chilies in sunlight. Sometimes she wakes in the middle of the night. She gets long distance calls from Barranca de Cobre. Something about her always looks hungry. I want her so much, I'll follow wherever she goes. I don't see the thorns here for the road. High up in Mexico, Curandera bought her soul. Now I see shadows at high noon, and my heart changes. Went to say Hail Mary's down at the mission Said she's on the hook for the sin of sedition And what union she's running from Just her confessor can tell Today I have not heard them sound again 
Baker, Radio Nowhere. Can I ask you a question? Uh, Radio Nowhere, what's, what, where's that name come from? You know, that comes, uh, a lot of people think that comes from uh, Bruce Springsteen hmm. because he put out a song by that name in 2006. My band's been around since a few years before that, and it comes from uh, a story kind of from my childhood, which is also very long and detailed, and I will tell you all. <laughs> No. Um, the short version is my family, when I was growing up, I grew up here in the Bay Area. My family was all in Idaho. So we used to drive to Idaho every year, which is 600 miles across Nevada and Utah and Idaho. And this is pre-anything. Pre, yeah, all we could get was ra AM radio stations right. going across Nevada. Right. No satellite, no, none of that stuff. Nothing, yeah. nothing. And so um, my sister and I would start to freak out in the back seat. <laughs> And my parents, uh, my mom, in order to keep us quiet, would turn the classical radio station on, which was the only thing we could get, and then make up stories based on the music she was hearing. <laughs> so there was one about the, the Mouse King and the, the bloodthirsty Baron of Decon or something like that <laughs> that I liked a lot. But uh, when it came time to name my band, I was just thinking about that. And the radio in the middle of nowhere yeah. just kind of stuck with me. Nice. That's where that came from. Yeah. Can we get another song? 
Yeah, definitely. I would, I would have actually liked to have heard some of those songs that you made up with your sister in the back of the car. Oh, I wish I could remember those. <laughs> it would have been awesome. So this song, it's a, it's a little closer to home. This song's about California, and it's called California. Uh, and I wrote this song uh, recently, this, this winter, actually. We moved a year ago, moved from Oakland to Truckee, which is a small town near Lake Tahoe. Oh, okay. You won't like what I'm about to say. <laughs> no, it's, it's about as far as you can get towards Nevada without actually crossing the state line. And um, it was a rough time to move. You might have heard we had a big winter up there. We got 800 inches of snow at my house. And so I spent many days just staring out at the whirling flakes, going, what the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> I did end up writing a bunch of songs, including this one. This is... Uh, it's sort of about being feeling exiled and trapped <laughs> and uh, wishing you could go home. It's called California. Uh, one sort of serious note I feel I have to bring up, there are lots of lines about, about fires and uh, things like that in this song. And it just uh, I drove through the smoke on the way down here today, and I don't know if anybody here is from the North Bay, or, but uh, I just hope all those people get to go home sooner rather than later.
show me a sign coming over the line back to everything that I remember. Ooh, everyone knows this is wrong. And I'm your part of the sun, and before this is done, I promise that I'll surrender. As long as you take me back to the place I belong. Down, don't let them run me out of this town. California, won't you let me down easy? Burning hills to old back roads. I'm just hanging on, I don't want to go. Mike Baker, Radio Nowhere. Uh, Mike, your bio on Patreon, uh, you know, the little description beneath the uh, intro video that people have on Patreon says that you were shot at outside a ACDC show. That is mostly true. <laughs> uh, I, I went to see ACDC at Cal Expo Amphitheater in Sacramento in 1988. And I brought my little sister. It was her first concert ever, which was awesome. Halfway through the show, we lost track of her. And my friend and I were looking around, and we saw her and her friend on the shoulders of these two huge <laughs> biker guys, like 30 <laughs> people behind us going, yeah! <laughs> She's 14. I was like, oh, oh boy. No. <laughs> but, uh, I had told everyone that I was with on this trip that I could find a place for us to camp somewhere after the show which I don't know why I said that. There's nowhere to camp in the middle of Sacramento after an ACDC show at 1 o'clock in the morning. So we ended up driving up into the hills near Auburn, pulled over by the side of the road, and camped behind these um, big tree stumps. Mm -hmm. They're about this high off the ground and you know, this wide. And at this point, it's like 3 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday night, so we just pulled over and crashed out behind these stumps. We'd been there for about 20 minutes when we heard a bunch of cars squeal into the the pullout yeah. where we were and these guys got out and we could hear them but we couldn't see them and we were like you can't see us you can't see us you can't <laughs> see us and we heard people like shotgunning beers and and just you know going off on a saturday night yeah. and we were fine with that until they started firing rounds into the air oh no and into the air over our heads we could hear them talking about us behind the stumps and it was like pew, pew, <laughs> oh, Jesus. so um, we just kind of laid there petrified <laughs> oh my God. for as long as it took them to get that out of their systems. And they got into their cars, and they got the hell out of there, and we got into our cars and got the hell out of there. And we made it back home at about 8 o'clock in the morning. Oh my parents were like, how was it? I'm like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Your sister never told anything? No. Nope. No, no that's she good. never told. I don't think we ever told our parents. <laughs> You guys aren't watching this, are you? <laughs> oh, yeah, right. 
Uh, we're going to get one more song from Mike, and then uh, if you want to stick around, anybody has any Patreon-related questions, we'll do a Q&A afterwards. So this song is called Cortez and Pizarro, and it's another Mexico song. I got it out of that same road trip I told you about before. And uh, to me, the interesting fact about this song is that... Uh, you know, here in the New World, we're kind of ambivalent at best about our colonial past. And uh, when I was in Mexico, that was doubly underlined. But uh, I tried to play this song at a party in Spain and almost got kicked out. And it turns out that they're not ambivalent about their colonial past in Spain. They've got statues of Cortez and Pizarro in every city and big roads named after them. It's kind of like if you wrote a song that said, George Washington is a dick. <laughs> or something like that. Not a history ranger. Anyway, this is called Cortez and Pizarro. It's my faux flamenco number. Before I was born, that's all I know There were two young, cool, and brave young men The king said if they rode and come back And you hit it They got the gig Cause the king thought they had what it took And the Aztecs shivered and ink they shook They saw the white sails and muskets long And thought these are gods, but they were wrong To the native people's sorrow They came Cortez and Pizarro and Francisco had their way to heaven, blow by blow. Men of God in Spain, they work for someone else in Mexico. Well, they burned their ships upon the shore, said we ain't going back to Spain no more. In the embers on the sand lay the future of the land. And Francisco had their way to heaven, blow by blow. Men of God in Spain, they work for someone else in Mexico. Now gifts were gay, and hands were sure. So I thought I'd get some armor and grab my steed And ride down across the border and over the seas And apologize from the top my Palomino Oh, for the native people's sorrow Cortez and Pizarro Fernando and Francisco Hacked their way to heaven blow by blow 
Thank you. Mike Baker. Radio Nowhere. He is Radio Nowhere. Nice. Thank you, Mike. And we're supposed to keep this going until cocktail time, which is coming up pretty soon. Um, so, but we're not going to delay you unnecessarily. But if anybody does have any questions for any uh, for for Julia or Mike or Carlos or or us, um, we'll please. hand you the microphone. We'll hand you yeah. the microphone. Hi. Hello. I'm CY. Uh, I'm with uh, xdjs.com. Um, but I have a question for Carlos. Uh, we've we've heard today from people who had uh, sort of a established followings before they joined Patreon. Um, but I'm wondering, since you've got all the data, is there a concept of like a minimum viable Patreon? Like where somebody with some level of like minimum following or creativity is ready to actually have a Patreon that like, you know, can I get my kid instead of having an allowance? Um, he starts a Patreon and every YouTube video he publishes, he gets like a dollar. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Okay, so there there are a lot of creators on Patreon who, I mean, there are people who just make one or two dollars a month uh, from like one or two fans of theirs, and uh, the I think it's the sort of thing where the more fans you have and the more they love you, the more money you'll make. <laughs> so um, one other issue that I think is uh, related to what you're describing is that some people. Um, start a Patreon page, and then expect Patreon to create a fan base for them. Mm -hmm. And that is something that Patreon isn't very good at. Um, we're good, for people who have an established fan base and who make stuff online, then Patreon's great at converting those fans into paying patrons. Right. Uh, and for people who do not have fans, it's not that great at like helping you get discovered. Actually, I think that like YouTube and Spotify and other distribution channels are great for converting people from we call it zero to fan it's like it's, uh that that's where you turn somebody into a fan and then once they're a fan then you can work on converting them into a patron into a paying customer yeah that's one way we think about it does patreon have any um aspirations to be anything other than it is right now i mean <laughs> does a company just say stay stay stagnant <laughs> no no so uh well some of the things we're excited about in the near future are uh, making the product a lot easier to use for artists and creators. And some, some things that are difficult are uh, sometimes it feels like you're asking fans for money, like it's charity. Mm -hmm. And that's really uncomfortable for some yes. people. Um, so we want to make it easier for people to uh, convey that when they subscribe, when they become a member, that they're doing it just like when you pay 10 bucks a month to Spotify and you yeah. get access to right. a catalog of exclusive content that you don't get unless you pay, right. uh, we want to make it easier for it to feel like that for the artists who want it to feel that way, for, for, for the artists who want it to feel like they're running a professional creative business on Patreon. Um, and then uh, some other things are internationalization. So um, one... One thing that sucks about current systems that are driven by advertising is that artists don't make a lot of money. Well, uh, if you're in a place where the advertising ecosystem isn't very mature or doesn't treat you very well, well, then it's even harder to make a living as a creator or an artist. So uh, there are a lot of artists out there in non-English speaking countries and places where it's like even harder to make money. Mm -hmm. um, so I think I'm, I'm really excited about that. And then there are other uh, things like being able to have patron-only merchandise, like 
physical merchandise on Patreon is something that's still pretty hard, um, or uh, live streaming or concert tickets for your patrons. There's just all kinds of stuff that um, a, any small business or medium-sized business or creative business would need to do uh, to make more money. Yeah. And so we're excited about doing all that stuff. Facilitating it. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Does any yeah, another question over there? I want to know real quick before we get to that. Do you ever run into copyright problems? With <laughs> yeah, uh, well, so <laughs> Patreon doesn't really get involved <laughs> in that stuff. Um, so we don't we don't take any rights or ownership of anything right. that artists or creators make on Patreon, um, and so it's just up to the artists to to manage that. Yeah, I, I don't know if you have perspectives on that as as, as creators. I buy the licenses for my right. covers. Yeah, Julia did an amazing cover version of uh, "Cake by the Ocean." And right, is that on Patreon? Yeah, That's on yeah. your Patreon page, yeah. and yeah. it's free for but everyone good. anyway. <laughs> yeah. But but you got it licensed. Yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. Good. Nice. Hi, Sorry. um, I'm I'm Josephine. I uh, edit the website for SF Music Tech. Um, but I also help uh, a musician uh, launch his Patreon campaign. He's actually going on tour with Megan Slankard. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, cool. Um, Alex Wong. Uh, and. He's he's new. He's he's the type of artist who, in the past, takes years to put out new new content. He's like a studio. He's a producer as well, so he's in the studio and he just, you know, takes his time and it, you know. Um, and so this Patreon thing, uh, to launch it and to get his fans sort of engaged initially has, you know, gotten him like really exhausted. Really, <laughs> like he's just like. Oh my gosh! Like, how do have people even seen this video that I just posted? And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's you know, right now you have a certain number of patrons, and you know, he just wants to know um, how do you keep people engaged like long term after in the initial like, hey, this is my new page, and how do you keep on doing that without you know burning out? <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um. Um. I would say like, especially at the beginning, mm -hmm. you can just say it at the end of every video the same way like i remember when youtube started getting a little more like hip to the jive oh god that just is a sentence i said <laughs> um you know like originally people were just putting out youtube videos and there was literally no agenda at all and then it started to be like subscribe to my channel and hit the like button if you if you want to help out my numbers and like people have started, I think it's pretty standard fare to have like kind of a laundry list at the end of your video of like a call to action for your people. So it can be something that he makes a habit of and he knows what to say. And it's just like a standard fare at the end of every video. If you want to support my music hit patreon.com it's a subscription website where you can have stuff sent directly to you and have access to some secret stuff um, it doesn't have to be like a long thing every time especially at the beginning you just have to like the the reason i think kickstarters go for 30 days is because people just need to hear it like three times before they're like oh yeah i'll go do that um one thing we've seen is that uh if People who post stuff regularly generate better engagement and better patron acquisition. So people who 
publish significant major work once per year, for example, um, are just not as effective at, at sustaining and retaining pledges. Um, and, uh, and so then, of course, you have to deal with this issue that it's annoying and time-consuming to post stuff on a regular basis. And there are some ways, there are some tricks I've heard of that, uh, that people use to get around that. So like, for example, on Patreon, you can schedule posts for the future. So a lot of people will have this folder and on their phone or whatever of like photos for patrons. And like when you're backstage or when you're sketching something or whatever, you can take a photo and put it in that folder. And then you spend one weekend scheduling posts. <laughs> and and it look and then every three days, uh, you, you set something up for like six or seven months where like every three days you'll release something to your fans. And then it looks like you're super active and engaged. Um, and yet you really just had to put a weekend, like a, one concentrated weekend of work into it. And then you can get back to focusing on, on your major creative like artistic work. Um, and there are other tools like that out there for like managing a social media presence, like posting to Instagram or Facebook or whatever automatically on your behalf. That, that's one cool trick that I've heard of. And uh, I know, Julia, you, you mentioned that after a while, you only mentioned Patreon like after a really, like several months. So when, at what point did you know that, okay, I don't have to tell them every single like post that you can, that, about Patreon? Um, I kind of treat my audience the way I want to be treated as a fan of a musician, and I don't want something every single day. And there are people on Patreon that do a lot, a lot, a lot. And I love those people. Um, but that's not how I can, like, that's not my attention span. <laughs> um, so I, I reached a point where I could sustain, um, like, what I needed to on Patreon. And, um, and then, like, I post as much as I would want to see something from a musician. And I think paying, like, my model is one video a month. So for my people, that's 12 bucks a year at its lowest level. Um, and I think that, like, all of them are comfortable with that. And, um, and I, yeah, like, I'm maybe a tough person to be to like help people like really muscle through on the money part of this. Cause that's like not what I'm about. <laughs> um, but <laughs> no, no, I honestly was just clearing that was a complete coincidence. <laughs> I was clearing my throat. There's smoke in the air. It's got some smoky. <laughs> no, no, seriously. I was. Yeah. yeah anyway. Um, but I think that it can be more relaxed. I don't think it has to be so stressful, especially for a creative person. Um, like an old adage that I've always really uh, felt is it's hard to make art when you're trying to make a living yeah. mm. um, and I know that my people can sense when I'm like being too like hardcore about the business aspect of it and and it's not as fun for me like I think the most important part about Patreon is that it gives you this comfort level of a, of a sustainable predictable income so that you don't have to be a freak about it yeah. You can relax into, so that's, I hit a point where I could relax and then I decided to not pester everyone with it and just like post, um, about my art and my life. And, um, and I have not experienced a drop off, um, people who are in are in. And, and I think that that is partially because I'm not like draining them with 30 posts a month. 
uh, I noticed certainly we only have you know 80 or something patrons at different levels but I don't think we've lost it we've been doing this a year and we haven't lost a single patron mm -hmm. uh, so what is the retention level like Carlos you're you're the data guy yeah is it pretty good uh, so retention there's a lot of variability in, re in pledge retention across creators and um, some creators run very high retention businesses on patreon so um I, like you two are great examples of it it's like when, when the fans know you mm -hmm. like they actually know the person behind the art then that tends to generate very good pledge retention if the people are in it only for the content itself then that tends to generate decent pledge acquisition but very poor pledge retention um so uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like good examples where the artist doesn't, uh, where the person itself is not really as visible, but it's really one. just the art. I yeah. follow the macro room, mm. and it's like uh, it's two dudes, and you see them sometimes, but they mostly post like close-ups of crazy shit that they <laughs> decided would just look amazing <laughs> close-up. So it's yeah. so satisfying. Yeah. Check it out, macro room. But they're not, you know, you see the guys at the end of the video and part of it is just cool watching how they created this weird little world that you just watched. But you don't like know them and love them and feel them. And, and like um, I signed up really early on and I watched it go up for a couple days and I like tweeted about them because I love them. And they, I've watched it go down. And I think that that is because it's not human. Yeah, I, I mean... It's weird to compare it to Amazon, but like when you buy something on Amazon, uh, often like Amazon provides tools to sellers so that the sellers can contact the buyers directly, and it makes the good less of a commodity. So like you could buy a wrench or something, and you might get this email that's like, "Hey, thanks for buying from American Wrench Company in Rochester, New York, where that's we make so these cute. wrenches <laughs> by hand and whatever." Like what they're trying to do is create a personal connection right. to this to the buyer. That would so that, work on me, you know? Yeah, so that you're not just like buying something; it doesn't matter where it came right. from. It's like, uh, and that's that's because I mean that's a that's a retention effort that they're trying to support and so um i think the same we see the same thing happen on patreon i have a couple of questions uh about that should you uh, there's a standard kind of form uh, uh thank you goes out when someone becomes a patron should you do more than that should you be individually thanking everyone <laughs> uh, i think the <laughs> comment section on patreon like it's a smaller pool than the comment section yeah. on youtube so you end up i respond to every single comment in my patreon section and, but there's none of the nastiness of youtube either which oh is yeah nice. because you're not exposed to people the, that um, right like well i guess there probably is a type of person who would pay a dollar a video <laughs> just to insult <laughs> someone but like i said my fans are not teenagers yeah. anymore yeah. so yeah. <laughs> um i'm pretty insulated from that uh carlos this is kind of a uh not uh you just gave me a great idea for a patreon page <laughs> oh no patreon yeah <laughs> um is there a polite way of asking somebody uh to get their credit card details together when like the only when the only retention that w the only people we have lost is because the credit card has gone out of date and yeah. so it shows up as a decline right. in, in your monthly statement and can you reach out to that person and say hey yeah, yeah. <laughs> or is that really rude right um so we we try to think of that at patreon we try to think of that as our job like we don't want an artist to have to 
uh, oh, so to have to worry that. with that. Yeah, so we do that a lot. Okay. In fact, like some people ask questions like, well, hey, like why would I give 5% to Patreon? I can just put a PayPal button on my website and then I don't have to give the 5% to Patreon, right? Um, and, uh, and the thing is that um, you'll, so as an artist, let's say you did do that. You put a, you put a PayPal button on your page. Um, you would pay a processing fee to PayPal right. or to Stripe or whatever. And Patreon, because of its scale, has negotiated a significantly lower processing right. fee uh, from Stripe and PayPal. Uh, and then the second thing we do is we automatically optimize retries. So if somebody's card does decline, we, we like have okay. a sophisticated way of, of attempting to make the retry work again. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing we do is we handle chargebacks. So if anyone ever does uh, like dispute a charge and say, hey, I didn't want to do this thing, well, that incurs a fee with the bank, and we like Patreon pays the fee. So that alone like more than offsets the 5% fee right. that, that uh, the people um, pay to Patreon. Uh, and then on top of that, when if you start a page on Patreon instead of your own site, then you enter into a network of millions of patrons who have already put in their credit card information, right. and it's just like one extra click to just uh, become a patron of another creator, exactly. um, which is very common through our recommendation system. Yeah. Um, so uh, and that, I think that's why it makes sense to go ahead and pay the five percent. At least like you'll make oh, more yeah. money if you do it through Patreon. And then uh, and then yeah, we do a lot of like sophisticated automated retries and like outreach to the to the patrons to try and get them to update that stuff. We also notice that it works. I think because yeah. I've noticed that they go away. I was wondering how all that happened. Yeah, that yeah, and <laughs> and at the same time, like the reason one reason we make that information visible to you as the artist is because you also have a lot of influence over your fans. It's like right. there are some things that Patreon can ask a fan to do that they they won't listen to us as much as they would listen to an artist they know and love. You know, You'd say no um, more free beer for you in our show. Yeah, so you can so you, you can you yeah. can also oh, see who good. declines <laughs> and and just message them and say like, hey, I noticed your payment declined. If you're still interested, like I'd love if you would um, update your expiration date or whatever, um, and that can be really effective too. Yeah. As podcasters, one last question for you. So if a, a Mark Maron, for example, uh, with his WTF mm -hmm. podcast, which is massively successful but relies on sponsorship, do you think – how do you think he would fare going to the Patreon model um, versus – I would imagine he'd make a shit ton more money on Patreon than he does from sponsorship, but I don't know for a fact. So, you know, some, some podcast that is massively successful on iTunes. Yeah, um, well – uh, it, it depends. I don't know if there's one single right answer that would apply to many artists in this case, but uh, I, I think what we've seen is that often this direct patronage model supplements other kinds of income. Right. So you don't have to stop getting sponsored. You, you, don't, you don't have to like stop releasing videos publicly on YouTube. You don't have to take the ads off your YouTube videos. You still get all that, and on top of that, uh, you, get the, you get the revenue from your patrons directly for that extra behind-the-scenes stuff. So I would say... Yeah, I mean, if somebody has fans who like them, then they'll probably succeed on Patreon. Yeah. Um, and they can just do that in addition to all their sponsorships and brand deals and all, all that stuff. Excellent. Uh, thank you all so much. Yeah. And thank you for those you that thank came you. in. I think it's probably appropriate uh, for everybody to go down the line and, and uh, give their, their patron, uh, Patreon uh, address. <laughs> right, Mike? Have you got a microphone in front of you? Well, it does. But no cable. <laughs> All right. Mine is patreon.com slash radio nowhere. There you go. Patreon.com slash Julia Nunes 
Spelled like tunes, the musical kind, not the cartoon kind. <laughs> I wanted to M. say I wanted to say Nunez so bad all day long. I'm Portuguese, not Spanish. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Carlos Cabrera not only works at Patreon, but uh, he is on Patreon. Did you actually see my Patreon page? <laughs> yes, I did. Patreon. I did see it. I, I, a little I, video I make, there. I make random like drum <laughs> instructional videos and like occasional covers on guitar at uh, patreon.com slash Carlos Cabrera Music. There you go. And uh, we are, what are we, Renee? Uh, I don't know. You set it up. Pop-up Bay Area. Yeah. yeah. No. Patreon.com so slash pop-up Bay Area. We have, a, we have a problem with branding because we're Renee and Irish Greg's podcast, which is a complete disaster to try and do on social <laughs> or on websites or whatever. So we're Renee and Irish Greg's pop-up podcast, but then all of our social and our website and our Patreon page is pop-up Bay, Bay Area. Area. So there you Bay go. Um, thank you all yeah. very, very much. Thank you, guys. Thank you.